This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Welcome. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast show with Andrew and Chris. Our community is made up of so many amazing and diverse groups of people, as are the programs that are on Joy 94.9. There is something for everybody. The Little Pot of Joy is where we highlight just some of the amazing programs. We would like to show our respect and acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, of elders past and present of the Kulin Nation, whose land we are broadcasting from. We are opening the evening with a podcast from Hide and Seek, Masturbation Month. Has anyone else noticed that months are just flying by? So we thought we should pull something up from the past just to prepare us for the fast approaching month of May. May is Masturbation Month, so Dean and James thought they'd explore all the jerkings off of the tongue-in-cheek wondrous pleasure. What? <laughs> Sorry. What is the history of wanking? Did the Romans do it? Surely the ancient Greeks did it. The boys are joined by comedians Wes Snelling and Nath Vello as they too ponder on one's life's greatest pleasures. If you can't listen to the shows live, podcasts are available from the Joy website www.joy.org.au hide and seek or go to the iTunes store This is A Little Pot of Joy The podcast program Hide and seek Visit Dean Beck and James Findlay are with you on this uh, Masturbation Month edition of Mm. Hide and Seek. May is Masturbation Month James, you've got some interesting facts there from history. Yeah, I think it's time that we take a walk down the history books. Right. I was going to say walk down memory lane, screwed that up, Mm, Uh, because it's not wanking. We're taking a look into the history books, Dean. Right. Of the history of wanking. Now, uh, in Europe, 40,000 years ago, uh, there is, uh, there are, what are they called? Uh, There are scribes. uh, People who write things down. Yep. Yep. Wanking started then. Now, it was ranging... <laughs> That's when it started, yeah, really. Yeah, it started 40,000 years ago. Uh, ranged, and these uh, scribes, the things in the wall, they range from oral sex to bestiality. Artists mm-hmm, mm-hmm, were mm-hmm. screwing animals and painting about Yep, it. that's right. Now, in ancient Egypt, uh, it was used to increase potency as well as religious rite. Isn't that interesting? Because there are some that say it decreases potency. Mm. Well, uh, the Egyptians worked it out <laughs> all those years ago. Yeah. Thought of that. Uh, now, some people. Oh, and it, also in ancient Egypt, uh, Tigris, which is an Egyptian god, mm. uh, was created by the ejaculation of the god Enki. One did not exist without the other. That's right. And Atom. Atom's ejaculations, who's another god, god. Uh, were con- uh, also controlled the annual flooding of the Nile, ironically. Blue once a year. That's right. And also the pharaohs were expected in their roles as god kings to follow suit and ejaculate into the river. Right. Yep. And uh, I've actually got a, um, 
Oh, an Egyptian uh, scroll scroll thing, yep. yeah, and it's all mm-hmm. framed of uh, the Egyptian god um, having a toss into the river. Having a toss, yeah. So um, there was one that has a massive penis, right? Yeah, huge. Um, but he doesn't have a leg; like he's only got one leg. So what? One leg, was, one dick. Yeah, that's right. So there was one time where he was uh, he was only a little boy, and he was kept in this Egyptian village um, while all the men left to to go out to war or fight or with something. one leg and one dick. Well, no, he didn't have the one leg there but he had a massive penis right yes anyway when all the men came back all the women nine months later were having children and it's because of this guy with a huge dick that like impregnated them all so then the the men had to get back at him so they cut off one of his legs Right. Still had a massive penis. So now him in all the the um the hieroglyphic things. Hier- yes. Yeah, means that um it's good for um for, uh, for fertility. Like, fertility. Yeah. Right. So now he's the fertility god. Wow. There's a little god, Egyptian I'm exhausted just hearing about it. Anyway, so that now the Kama Sutra the Indian text yes, that we all know, yes, 2,000 yes. years ago, recommends that you, quote, churn your instrument with a lion's pounce, uh, sit with legs stretched out at right angles to one another, propping yourself up with two hands planted on the ground in between them, and in between, uh, and that in between your arms. It actually sounds quite um, difficult, but still yes. says you should wank. Now, in ancient Greece, masturbation was widely accepted. But in ancient Rome, it was only seen as something that only slaves should do. Really? Mm-hmm. I wonder what the gentry did. Oh, they were too busy rooting. Just uh, wrap your lips around this. G'day, you little fuckers. How are we? Righto, get this. Last night, I got caught having a fucking flog by me mum. Like, my mum actually walked in when I was just fucking going out at it. <laughs> And the worst thing is I could be pulling like for half an hour, not need to come, and then as soon as some prick walks in, it's ready for fucking liftoff. And you know what else I found interesting? When I pop the cork, I go borderline brain dead for about five seconds. Like if I was in high school, I would get accepted into the fucking special ed unit. And what's even funnier is that when you finish coming and looking like you've got cerebral palsy, you just go back to normal. Wow, that was... That was harsh. And that was the censored was, version, I might add. Yeah. yeah, right. Can I just say, I got a phone call about three hours ago from Dean Beck saying, can you come up here and talk about wanking? And um, I literally have no idea where you're going with it. Tonight, the topic is masturbation. The guest is Zach Efron, who seems to be a bit of a master of masturbation. I'm to the point now where I can actually completely do it with no hands. You can masturbate with no hands. Yes, which is like a total legal gray area. Like, I can drive with my hands and masturbate with my knees. See, I can, like, show you. See, I'd be, like, my position in the car, you know, is up here, both hands. Are you masturbating right now? What? I can't understand what you're you're saying. We're on television. You're masturbating in front of everybody right now. What are you talking about? My hands are up here. My hands are up here. I know, but you just told me that you you can masturbate without your hands. You're not supposed to talk about that. Zach! You're done with that. How long does it take? Are you going to finish right now? Shh. Zach. If you're just joining us, Zach Efron is masturbating with no hands, and he's about to climax. Shh. Shh. Goddamn. Woohoo! <laughs> Congratulations. That was incredible. Thank you. Now, Zach, how many times today? 17. 17 times? 
17 times until, until now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look, I had no idea what you wanted to talk to me about. And that's what we're going to talk about. There's hey. a whole month for masturbating now. There's yeah. a whole month of it. Well, who needs the month? Well, James needs it. He's born in that month. Uh, but who's decided... Oh, my God, I have so many questions. Who's decided that it's wanker month? And what happens in this month? Is oh, it that... a parade? <laughs> That's a good, very good... I don't know who would have come up with it. I but... want a parade! <laughs> well, well, there's, like, there's a month for just, everything. Well, now I can just imagine all those rednecks going, oh, I don't care what you do in the privacy of your own home, but you need a whole month in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us on Hide and Seek. You're on Joy 94.9 and this is a little part of Joy with your host, Andrea and Chris. Up next, we have another resting program from the wet spot. Genitals do not equal gender. Sammy is very excited to be joined by the most fabulous international guest, Holly Howard. Holly goes by the pronoun them, they or their. Holly Howard, they, discuss the topic of non-binary gender their thoughts on how genitals do not equal gender and escaping the binary. Holly Howitt, they, in a bold, hilarious and deeply connected being, their approach to sexuality, their passion for educating people on gender is incredible as they shift the planet's consciousness on gender diversity. Holly Howitt shares with us their most famous talk about gender and genitals, shaming the gender binary concept. The Wet Spot was one of my favourite uh, shows on Joy 94.9. It was on Monday nights. So it was pretty amazing. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I used to, you know, because I always watch TV at night. And then just um, because I knew that was on, the TV went off and the radio went on. It was like um, living in the 1950s or something. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to the entire podcast by downloading from the Joy website, joy.org.au slash wetspot, or download it from the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. I'm not a slut, I just love love. <laughs> now, uh, it is Moist Mondays, which means we, it is time for the wet spot. And I'm so super excited because I have an international guest this evening. Holly Howard is joining me and we're going to discuss so many amazing things tonight. We're going to talk about, and I know I'm going to end up getting this wrong about about how they pronounce it, but it is about binary, free, gender and all of the amazing things. How how uh, you identify by with whether people use their gender or their genitals to identify and how it all works. Holly, welcome to the wet spot. Thank you for having me, Sammy. And when I talk about you, I actually use the program pronoun them and they. Yeah, now that's my of, of, preferred pronoun. Right. Yeah. So let's have a little bit of a chat first. A little bit of uh, you know, start off with that. Okay. So um, I guess it's important, really, to understand that for me, and I think for many others increasingly, I don't see gender as a binary, um, and that would be that there are only men and women. I think that um, that's far uh, too simpler. Um, sort of idea and that there's an entire grayscale of genders mm. um, and I also think the way that we currently um, speak about gender we often conflate it or confuse it with our sort of biological sex or our genitals or our chromosomes and so people that are born with penises we call them men and people who are born with vulvas we call them women and we know that that's not necessarily the case we know from our trans brothers and sisters that that's not always the case mm. but what the um 
sort of trans-narrative, in terms of transitioning, we often think of that as from one to another. And that's perfectly true for many people, but there's also lots of people for whom it's not quite as binary as that. Because we also, you know, and it's it's something that, you know, I speak about a little bit on this show and it's a, it's a particular passion of mine is it seems to be that we quickly dismiss particularly our trans brothers and our sisters as, you know, as part of their journey of transitioning is not everyone has the same beginning and the same end and the same journey and the same tracks and they're even travelling to the same country. Yeah, um, And that person is not then... Um, uh, correctly identified as uh, you know in that in that binary of either male or female mm. because their genitals don't match about how they want the world to see them and I think to me that that's you know it, it's that one of be the hardest you know I'm I'm not trans I have so many trans friends but mm. to me I see it's one of the hardest battles that they mm. face and it is a battle for a lot of people. We, what we're going to do is because uh, you, you touched on uh, this amazing talk that you give um, and I'm going to put you on the spot with this amazing speech that she does. So I'm going to shut up and let her talk. Genitals are awesome. They are these delicious parts of our bodies that give us pleasure. We can have lots of fun on our own with our wonderful genitals and we can rub them up against other people's lovely genitals. We can put things inside them. And put them inside things. You can smush them and squish them and stroke them and suck them and, oh, genitals. The person speaking owns a vulva. I love vulvas. I love my vulva and I love lots of other vulvas. I love the whole concept of vulvas, what they look like and taste like, how they engorge and swell, change colour, produce rivers of goo, how they come in so many different shapes and sizes. What I don't love about vulvas is that so often society makes an assumption that they only belong to women. Based on our genitals, assumptions are made about what gender we are. And the same thing happens the other way around. In most polite forms of society, you meet someone's gender before you meet their genitals. Society takes one look at the person presenting to them and thinks they know what's in their pants. Well, I have news for you, society. You don't. Being the proud owner of a beautiful vulva does not automatically make me a girl, or a woman, or female, or any of the words that describe a gender. In the same vein, being the proud owner of a beautiful vulva who sometimes has sex with other owners of vulvas does not make me a lesbian. Because nothing so far in the information that you have about these two vulva-owning individuals tells you anything about their gender, let alone their orientation. You do not know that I, or any of my vulva-owning lovers, are female until you find out about our gender. Making that assumption can at best feel uncomfortable and at worst be devastating to those being misgendered or misgenitaled. This is a particularly sensitive issue when exclusive spaces are set up based on gender or genitals. Being the owner of a vulva and attending a vulva-only space is fabulous, but it becomes a whole lot less fabulous if this space then also gets referred to as women's space. For all the vulva-owning not-women, suddenly this space has been denied to them. They may feel like imposters or invisible. Similarly, if you attend a women's space and it becomes abundantly clear that by these people's standards you must have a vulva in your pants to qualify, then all of a sudden the cock that you have between your legs means that you're no longer welcome in this space 
And the fear of being discovered is not one any of us should be facing. I'll put it simply. A room full of people who have vulvas is not a women's space. And a women's space is not necessarily a room full of people who own vulvas. If you set up a space for women, you set up a space for women with all types of genitals, cocks, vulvas and anything outside of that binary. If you set up a space for men, you set up a space for men with all types of genitals, cocks, vulvas, anything outside of that binary. If you set up space exclusively for vulva owners, then you set up a space for vulva-owning people of all genders, male, female and everyone outside of that binary. And if you set up a space for cock owners, you set up a space for cock-owning people of all genders, male, female and everyone outside of the binary. Because genitals do not equal gender. Let me explain why I think that it is so important that we stop conflating the two. To understand the gravity of the importance, first you have to kind of understand that it's my fundamental belief that sex, and by that I mean sexuality, orgasm, the gooey feeling in your guts, the warm buzz in your loins, the feeling that you've had for all time that couldn't put a name to when you were a child, that wonderful, beautiful, inimitable, sexy energy that living things have, eros, it's a big fucking deal. That having it, as much or as little as you like, with others or on your own, is a human right. And it is one that we are ubiquitously and cruelly denying ourselves and others because of the many bizarre and ridiculous rules that we have made around it. Currently, and throughout the passage of time, when we are born, we are assigned a gender based on what bits we have. On this planet, we assign the babies that come out with the dangly watsits male and the ones who come out with the slitty foldy bits female. And far more often than should ever have been allowed... If the baby's bits are a little ambiguous, then someone else decides which genitals the presenting anomaly more closely resembles and surgically alters the appearance to greater achieve that conformity. So now we are all split into two neat camps based on our bits. Wonderful. But it doesn't stop there. From that very first trip home from the hospital, we are taught constantly, subtly and pervasively about what our gender means. What it means to be normal if you were assigned F, and what it means to be normal if you were assigned M. These social constructs exist globally, and there is absolutely no escape from them in our society. Once you see it, it becomes terrifying. From birth, we are taught precisely how to live based on our assigned gender. This plays out in a million different ways and affects everything from how we play, learn, dance, talk, cry, fight, earn, keep fit, and yes, most crucially, how we fuck. And by that I mean how we seek pleasure from our wonderful pleasure centres, our minds and our bits. These lessons actually warp our plastic brains, but if you want gender science neurophysiology, then that's a whole other talk. As you were. If you were born with one of those slitty foldy bits that meant you were stamped with the F gender, but discovered as you grew that you were in fact not female, you can probably imagine how difficult a relationship you might have with your genitals. If you had been taught constantly that your vulva is your gender, that it is your vulva's fault, that you got assigned this womanhood that you never wanted, might you not start resenting this wonderful, beautiful, pleasure-giving piece of your body? In the same instance... If your cock symbolises a masculinity that you in no way associate with, if this dangly bit between your legs that is so wonderful and pleasure-giving is the source of all that denied you your non-male identity, 
might you not find it quite tricky to enjoy its beauty and share that beauty with others? When sex and sexuality are so closely linked to our genitals and our genitals are so pervasively and societally conflated with our gender, we construct a world where if any of these things don't match up correctly, then we have a very turbulent relationship with sex, both sex with ourselves and sex with other people. If we keep telling the world and ourselves that vulva is feminine, vulva is woman, what are we denying our vulva-owning brothers? If we keep telling the world and ourselves that cock is masculine, cock is man, what are we denying our cock-owning sisters? And that's not even mentioning those whose genitals might not fit neatly into the vulva-cock binary and or those whose gender might not fit neatly into the male-female binary. If society often correctly guesses what bits you've got, if the body you live in and the way you present it to the world has never resulted in people making the wrong assumption about your bits, then you might be wondering what the big deal is. It might never have occurred to you that gender and genitals are not directly correlating aspects of the human condition. Well, there are a very great number of us for whom our genitalia, the subsequent gender that we were assigned at birth, and the gender that we currently occupy, identify and express do not conform to that which we are taught is normal. There are also a great number of us for whom our genetic gender is not clearly definable by the male-female gender binary, whether that's because of a variation in our chromosomes, that's our X's and Y's, our sex organs, that's our testes and ovaries, or our genitalia, our vulvas and our cocks. Ignorance is really easy to overcome. Let's educate ourselves around queer, trans, non-binary and intersex. I understand that the reason many of us have never really thought about this is because of our empirical evidence gathering. Well, most girls I meet have vulvas and most boys I meet have cocks. It's a rational thought to have. And that certainly is true of the majority. But we are looking at a majority whereby society so strongly defines our gendered roles and so completely denies us nuance or grey area when it comes to gender that we can never really be sure. If we were born in an alternate universe, whereby you were not assigned a gender at birth, whereby you were given a name and the bits between your legs were of no more importance than if you had an innie or an outie belly button, I often wonder just how many of us would fall so neatly into these two camps of F or M. And of those, how many of us would have the gendered attributes like hair length and clothing type and posture and sports interests? And of those still, how many would have the corresponding genitals that we assign to those genders on this planet? On this bloody planet right now, Earth, where we call home and insist on gendering all our babies using a flawed binary, what spaces do we have available for us to, be, to worship our fantastic vulvas or our beautiful cocks or whatever fabulous bits you have down there that doesn't automatically assume your gender or your orientation? It's time to let go of the uncompromising, rigid framework we have set up between the physiological bits of our bodies and the societal constructs of gender. It's time for fluidity, for choice, for grey area and nuance. It's time to end the bitter, painful heartbreak that we inflict on ourselves every day when we contort ourselves to fit the norms. It's time to queer the fuck up. You're listening to Joy 94.9 and this is a little pot of joy with your hosts, Andrea and Chris. Next, we have a podcast from the woods. Piercing Nightmares. Mark, Matt and Jean are joined by Mistress Bella and her partner Paulus to bring up piercing and its effects. 
In particular, a brief history of the Prince Albert and, and the reverse PA. Sailing into Sammy's day and Matt's live piercing. Hmm. So if you can't listen to the show live, the podcasts are available for, for download from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash the woods or the iTunes store. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Grr. This is Big Bear Mark, and tonight in the studio, I am joined by both Matt and Dean. Now, you two are just a little bit freaked out at the moment, aren't you? Just uh, on the edge of my seat. Mm. Just on the edge of your seat. <laughs> that, that's because we have got the absolutely lovely <laughs> Mistress Bella in the studio with us. Hello, Bella. How are you going? Not bad, Mark. And yourself? I'm good. I'm very, very good. And we've also got uh, Bella's lovely husband, Paulus, <laughs> in the studio as well. Hey, Paulus. Oh, yeah. How are you going? Good, good. good. Basically, tonight we're going to be talking about piercing. <laughs> and all the things associated or around body modification I'm as well. I'm scared. You're scared. I'm not scared. I've oh, seen all this all before. Don't worry, boys. Consent really matters. <laughs> That's it's a, exactly. Now, Bella, you've been in the industry a long time for the, the body modification industry. Come is on, it, Mark. Is this that, is radio. No one can see all my wrinkles. Uh, you have no wrinkles. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, I love you. <laughs> I love you. But you were saying that you've been in the yeah. industry about 21 yeah. years, is it? 25. 25. 25. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you're obviously in it for the love of it as well. I do. Absolutely yeah. love it. I love the joy and the pleasure that yeah. it brings to people. And whether that is purely from an aesthetic viewpoint, you know, something mm. that's visible on their face or whether it's something that only those special few get to enjoy. Our reasons people go... Because we specialise in genital piercing and nipple piercing, obviously our focus is primarily on the sensation side of things. Mm. We do do all safe piercings, but, yeah, that's and that's the, the stuff that we really enjoy too. You know, we get yeah. rewarded nicely with that. You know, huge bags of chocolate and all sorts of things people bring in to say, thank you. It's like, oh, my uh, God. Yeah, you've, thank you. You've improved my thank life. Yeah, yeah, well, it used to take me hours now and it takes me minutes, which is fun, you know, particularly for women. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. men, it usually just takes minutes anyway, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for women. Yeah. And so are you finding, over the 25 years, has your demographic changed? Do you see more women getting uh, piercings and body modifications or is it always is it always been sort of the same mix? Look, you know, it all started with gay men, yeah. you know, so that was always going to be the, the lion's share of the clientele and largely still is. You know, for us um, it still is because we uh, support, you know, the gay community yeah, quite, and we love the gay community. So um, we do te- and we specialise in, you know, genital, which is what it's really all about, you know, genital. Well, the stock standard, uh, what is, the, how do you say it, quadrilla? You know, a PA, a pair of nipples and a septum piercing. You know, that that's right. the, the, yeah. the gay That's the full four. set. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the full set. And that set has been traditional for a long time. And a lot more geesh. And a lot more geesh now, too. Now that the, magic, later, the magic of that has that been... Mean. Yes. Go on, Dean. What you've got, you must have a question. Oh, so... Can, let's, um, mm. Where do you start? Where do you start? So, look... Uh, let's start with the Prince Albert. I think people... Well... That's the big kahuna. That's the big kahuna. So the mm-hmm. Prince Albert. Please explain. Depending on what theory you prescribe to as to why it got its name, mm-hmm. it 
goes back to obviously Prince Albert that he supposedly put a ring in to hide his member when it was unfashionable when they used to wear skin tight pants and it was unfashionable to show his bulge and would tie it back between his legs. And the other story was that Queen Victoria put it in so she didn't have to put her fingers on his Oh. oh. So if you yeah. want it, then you better put a ring on it. Yeah. Well, there Something is like that. that. Yeah, yeah, if you like it, put a ring on it. Um, yeah, so absolutely. a reverse Prince Albert then. That can't, Okay, so the, the PA, they both involve the urethra, mm-hmm. right? So the Prince Albert goes, uh, we've got one hole built in, which is the urethra, and the Prince Albert then traditionally comes out on the underside yeah. of the head. Um, between that little V. Matt, just breathe, Matt. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> He's fine. There, there's lots fine. of squirming going on in the studio yeah. tonight. Um, and then the reverse PA is, you know, body piercer language is not that complicated. The reverse PA goes yeah. the opposite way. So it comes out through the top of the head instead of the bottom. So the reverse PA goes through a lot more tissue. Mm. Mm. And sensation-wise, they're for both parties. And whether that's male-male, male-female... Both parties get a good sensation from it. Unless you have fillings, and that's another story. That's dental, and uh, you have a good <laughs> dental plan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With the guys who, who get this done, uh, obviously it is a, a sensitive area for a fellow. Uh, how do you deal with, with patients or clients who uh, are squirmish, let's say? We talk to them, reassure them, and we t- I don't believe there's anybody that we haven't got through yet. Mm. Has anybody ever fainted or... They're laying down, so what does it matter? <laughs> Good point. No, I mean, Matt, ever is a long word. Uh, sorry, a long time. Um, but uh, very, very few, you know, and most people, male or female, but usually guys, you know, uh, oh, my God, is that it? You know, That's like done. I've just built it up so much in my head. I've had my eyebrows done uh, three times. Okay. Uh, well, and you had your eyebrows pierced or Yeah, plucked? three times. Okay. <laughs> uh, and each time it grew out within a year. Right. Uh, does the same happen to the penis? Does it? Not usually, no. No, no. no the rejection is still a risk, you know, whenever we put something into the body that's not meant to be there, um, which is where the quality of the jewellery does play a very significant well, role. I'm very cheap, so... Well, then you get what you pay for, <laughs> don't you, Matt? That's it. That's exactly right. You, you, got, you got your money's worth in that it was temporary. You only pay per day. So if it was cheap, you know, <laughs> that's fine. Now, now, one of the other ones that has intrigued me, I always say I'm curious, I'm more intrigued. Um, now, they say that real men don't eat quiche. <laughs> but apparently real men do go the geesh. Yeah, yeah, but they will stimulate a prostate, though. So we're, we're, oh, how do we, okay. how do we yeah. explain yeah, this talking. one? We, uh, this one goes... So it's between the ball sack and the anus? And that's a, how we explain it's it. A okay. bar. It's a bar that goes through. Oh, okay. Or a ring, yeah. Right. And you do this because... Well, if you position it right, it should sit just over the top of the prostate, Okay, which then can add stimulation during ejaculation or just general playing, whether it's a ring and somebody can pull on it or you can hang a weight on it or you can have the bar for somebody to press on it. And if they press on it all at the right time, it's uh, great things happen. Great things happen. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of an X marks the spot. Yeah, it's like just press there. Um, (laughs) Because... Am I right saying it's the perineum, isn't it? Yeah. The area that's yeah. um, stimulated. Yeah. yeah. Can you, if you go with the ring, can you then change to a barbell? or does mm-hmm. it, Yes. Oh, so they are adjustable. Mm-hmm. Interchangeable. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with cleanliness? 
in, in that area where it's generally you know more humid and sweaty most did of your mummy not teach you to wipe <laughs> from the front to the back well, <laughs> our, our listeners are mostly bears so sure but hairy, you know you still wipe from the front to the back i'm yeah? not talking about that it, oh it's like sweat like normal sweat like just normal normal shower normal hygiene rules apply don't talk to him oh well. yeah <laughs> um yeah, just normal, everyday showering and hygiene rules apply. Okay. And that takes care of the majority, all of it, really. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because you know, just... your sweat's fine for you. You know, it's only when it stays there too long. Yeah, you just wash the tank away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a day or two is fine, but much more than that, then you could have a problem. Yeah, there's no big issue, though. No. Okay. no. So in terms of um, safety and when you're, you are piercing, I mean, obviously you do take a lot of care. And, you know, and what you said before is you pay for what you get. Mm. And quite frankly, you've got to... I mean, when you're dealing with these sorts of areas, you can't... <laughs> Stuff it you up. Only, you only you. get one. You are, yeah, you only get <laughs> you only one get shot. One. <laughs> so you want someone who knows what they're doing. I would think. Yeah. People tend to put a lot more research into finding their genital <clears throat> pierces than they do into the, you know, <laughs> the person saving their eyebrow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, now, it's prime real estate. Yeah, exactly. You, know. you are listening to A Little Pot of Joy on Joy 94.9 with your host Andrea and Chris. Up next from our resting programs, Les Link. Lesbian Couples Bondage Session. Bassa was joined by Jeannie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bassa was joined by Jeannie. They had an in-depth chat about the lesbian couples bondage session that had ended up in a fire station. Jeannie also talks about her own embarrassing moments, some practical tips from Bassa and the hard lessons learnt. <laughs> God. <laughs> listen to the entire podcast but you can download it from the joy website joy.org.au there's links or download it from the itunes store you're listening to a little pot of joy the podcast program you're listening to Busher and this is Lay Link on Joy 94.9. Now tonight's show we'll be chatting to Ginny. We're going to be talking to her all about oh, the lesbian couple whose bondage session ended up at a fire station. Ginny, hello. What's up, Bash? I've got to say, this uh, intro that you gave me, on, on it's quite a show that you pulled me into. We're talking about bondage, kitties, and health and fitness. Could you pick anything more eclectic for me to talk about? Uh, I see a flow in that. I'm sorry. Hold on. Oh, I see. I see what you mean now. I'm with you now. So, yeah, so I was looking on the Gay News Week and I found this lovely, lovely commentary about these two, two a lesbian couple who basically, whose bondage session ended at a fire station. How does one's bonding session start at a fire station to end up there anyway? Well, they didn't start at the fire station. They ended up there. They ended up there. So basically there was this lovely young lesbian couple in the UK who were forced to seek help from the local fire station after a bondage session went wrong. Awkward! Yes. Basically they'd mislaid the keys of the handcuffs while having a bit of sex play. (gasps) You know, that's awkward. The authorities intervening on on having on your sexy time is is really really awkward like what does one do hey can you just help uncuff my naked girlfriend right there hey you know that that's cool no, no i believe they got dressed they got dressed yeah but it'll be hard wearing handcuffs to get dressed like she'd probably have a, a t-shirt over her head and everything else just exposed it's like what's up how you doing well she could have had a towel on or something now we're going into <laughs> completely different oh my god now i want to google images of this hmm. <laughs> i'm actually interested to see like what the finding picture was the fire brigade basically were saying that, that they thought it was a bit of an amusement and they had a bit of a laugh and that the girls were a little bit embarrassed. Of course they would be. Why wouldn't you be embarrassed if, like, firemen walked in on you on your kinky session? 
No, no, they walk to the fire station. Oh, man. Either so, way. So, so they, they, yeah, were, <laughs> they went to the fire station to seek help because they couldn't unlock the handcuffs. <laughs> Firstly, get special handcuffs that, that have like a, a safety mechanism or some sort of mechanism that you can open them. And if you're going to get real handcuffs, please make sure you keep the key in a place where you don't forget where it is. What I love about this article too is Commander Paul Guide, who's obviously one of the firefighters there, his, his quote at the end was, we were pleased we were able to assist them. Yeah, I'm sure you were, Glide. I'm sure you were. Yeah. They, 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 <laughs> it was Christmas for them. They were chuckling. They thought it was the best thing ever. <laughs> Two le- you know what? I see a joke emerging here. Two lesbians walking to a fire station. Just take it from there. <laughs> and they were not U-hauling at that stage. <laughs> oh. But it reminds me of a, a story. So many years ago, I was a manager and I had an employee who was a little bit, um, she didn't give 100%. She often rang in sick. She gave me weird excuses as to why she was sick. And I just started to think, you know what, I'm going to start cracking down on this woman because she's starting to irritate me. Yeah. And she rang up one morning to let me know that it was a Sunday morning, that, that she couldn't come into work today because she was a little bit tied up. And I said, I'm sorry, but you have a shift. It starts in whatever time. You know, yeah. get yourself here now or start looking for new employment. And then she was trying to tell me that she can't, she's got handcuffs on. <laughs> to that I said, okay. Come down you, to the fire station, I'll hook you up. <laughs> I said, are you handcuffed to like a bed or something? Or are you just handcuffed to yourself? You had to ask her that? Yes, I did That's ask her That's all good, Basha. Oh, I, I just went there because I thought, you know what? I know. Do you anyway, not want to know what she's handcuffed to? Good on you. Well, me. she could have been handcuffed to her boyfriend. You want to know that? I wanted to know what she was handcuffed to. And she said she's handcuffed to herself. And I said, oh, okay, so basically your hands are handcuffed to each other. And she said, yes. I said, well, then as far as I'm concerned, you can still come to work because you you don't need to bring like part of the bedpost with you or, or, or your boyfriend. So can you please make your way to work? Thank you very much. And we will rectify the situation as it comes to hand. Comes I, to hand. I also, <laughs> a good plan words. I also didn't believe her. Right. Anyway, so she walks into the work and... She's handcuffed. Her hands She's are handcuffed. Her handcuffs. Oh. Her hands were handcuffed together. And we all had a good chuckle. And then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to be nasty today because she'd irritated me beyond belief. And I made her work. You made her work in handcuffs. Like, didn't you think she'd been arrested or anything like that? She was just wearing. Hey, was she just hanging when out? When you and... arrest people, you handcuff them behind their back. And Sometimes not in front you of go them. to the front. Sometimes. Okay, sorry. I've never been arrested. I've never been arrested too. I'm just, just watching movies and going off there. But it's, I don't know, it's, what, what, how did she get handcuffed? I'm curious. Like, was she hanging out on the Saturday night like, hey, there's nothing on TV. I'm just going to handcuff myself. No, her and her boyfriend were. Oh, in the act. In the act. And Can't her boyfriend help her sister out? Help, you know, unlock her? Well, that's what I said. I said, what, you don't have, you know, some sort of tools at home that can, can, you know, release you from this this embarrassment. And the answer was no. So I made her work for an hour. An hour. An hour. I know. I can be nasty. But if you're really, if you're evil to me, I'll be evil back. I made her work for an hour. All the staff got a really good laugh out of her. And then at one stage, I sent one of the the guys down to, to rescue her and said, okay, enough is enough. Can you now help her and get these handcuffs off her. And he was able to wow. get them off her. And then I told her next time she does that, can she please make sure she keeps the key somewhere visible? <laughs> you have to advise your coworker on how to arrange herself around her kinky time. That's an awkward boss conversation to have. You know, uh, you, I know, you, you but I had about... so much laughter out of it. I'm still laughing to this day about it, just seeing her work <laughs> and yeah, trying to serve customers and be in that customer service environment while got handcuffs on. 
Oh. And customers can see it and they know exactly what's happened to her. So, you know what? I thought, you know what? You wear it. But the good thing was she never then rang in sick when I was on shift. So, oh, there you go. See, she learned. She did. You taught her a lesson. I did teach her a lesson. It was a hard lesson to learn, but you know what? The irony in this is hilarious. I know. And we could go, we could go to so many places with this, but I'm aware that it's, you know, quite early in the evening and, <laughs> and we could get ourselves into a little bit of trouble. Probably so save it for hide and seek. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hide and seek. This is, this is something up uh, Dean Beck's alley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry for the pun there. That wasn't, that wasn't intended. But yeah, let us know if you've been in some bizarre situation where you've been handcuffed or some sort of embarrassing thing has happened to you where you've had to require the assistance of some sort of an emergency service. I almost got handcuffed from the police, clearly, because they're the only people who walk around holding handcuffs, apart from Oh, sorry, I was thinking... I was thinking, oh, really? Jenny, <laughs> hey, how do no, I not that, know this story? Who well, is she and why is she handcuffing you? Hello. No, when I first... keeping you from escaping, you know, she's taken the uh, U-Haul second date to a whole new level. Dude, I haven't U-Hauled. That's something more up your alley, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to say, when I first came out, when I didn't, you know, when I was living with my parents, I didn't, obviously, I couldn't bring girls home. So the place to, you know, have your make, make, nice, time. make nice with the girl was in your car. So the car ride, I remember one night, it was like a long weekend. We were parked at some random park and all of a sudden, you know, we see these blue and red lights flash. And you hear the knocking on the window. No knocking. No, this is the thing. The car pulled up right behind our car. It was just, just you know, just it was just flashing. Sorry, just to put it in context, were you ladies in the front seat or in the back seat? <laughs> I, I, look, you, you can pre- choose not to answer that question, well, but it, I would just prefer to have an understanding because I've got an image in my head and you don't want to know what, what, what's going right through my head <laughs> at the moment. Let's just say uh, we, we needed, we required more space. Okay, let's, good. Let's just Fine. Say so in, in the Was it a station wagon? It was not a station <laughs> wagon. Oh, we, no we shagging wagon. No oh. shagging wagon. You know, I couldn't even say it, but we were, so we were chilling in, in the car. As you do. As you do. And then all of a sudden the police car just stops behind us. The engine turns off. You know what I do? I put my top on. I jump in the front seat, which answers your question, and I put on my seatbelt. Like, that's going <laughs> to That was my immediate response. And anyway, no one got out of the car. Like, the policeman stopped, and they just turned around. So they obviously didn't want to arrest us. I didn't know if they knew there were two women in the car. Apparently, I've heard that if you put high beams on a fogged car, you can actually see in. That's what I've heard. I don't know if that's true. I haven't Ooh. tested that theory. But maybe they're like, uh, okay, maybe we don't need to intervene here. <laughs> maybe this isn't a criminal case. It's all good. <laughs> I know that in some instances the police do pull up in car parks and, and parks and things like that just to have a look at what's going on to make sure everything's above board. Yeah. You know, it could be some sort of deal happening and they want to make sure that, you know, that there's. I've seen people who sit in parks and are eating junk food. Yeah. In their car. Maybe they're too embarrassed to eat it out <laughs> on the street. <laughs> like, I don't want to go home to eat this in front of my wife. I'm yeah. going to die no, Yeah. You know, things like that. I don't know. But I, don't, I know that they do do monitor these kind of areas and they probably deemed you as a low risk kind of kind of person and they thought oh it's two it's two women <laughs> she's sitting in the front seat with her seatbelt on they had a bit of fun well they i'm sure they saw you jump over the front seat yeah and i put my seatbelt on what more could they want and you'd already <laughs> put your top on so they're like no it's nothing to see here <laughs> oh you know just let them have a good story for years and they just i think they just left you they did see very lucky <laughs> Maybe the windows weren't fogged up enough. <laughs> <laughs> that I will not confirm or deny. Oh, Ginny, 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 Ginny. You're on Joy 94.9 with Andrea and Chris. We've come to the end of another evening of a little pot of joy. 
And uh, this evening was more about just the past and some of the resting programs and just a little bit of lightheartedness. Uh, May this year is going to be interesting. I wonder if Dean and uh, James are going to bring up another episode of uh, Masturbation Month, but that'll be interesting. Oh, no, it's always funny to hear the boys talk about that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Really. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's hope they do. Everyone will be listening, and um, maybe we can have some women talk about it too. Well, we do have a few, quite a few podcasts uh, yes. out there from the past, particularly from the Wet Spot and uh, Lay Link about that. Oh, that'll be fantastic! I'm Maybe we can bring that. something up next week. That'll be great. We'll do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the bondage session that went terribly wrong. I think the fire brigade might have been quite considerate, but I'm pretty sure they discussed it. Oh, they would have loved it. Afterwards. Just imagine, you know, two women going to the fire station with handcuffs on and them having to rescue them. <laughs> Bassa and uh, Jeannie's uh, little discussion. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I could make someone come into work with handcuffs and uh, serve people throughout the day with handcuffs. That would be just so oh, mean. I don't know whether she really did that. I mean, because it would be, it'd be bad for your business, wouldn't it? You know, having a person with handcuffs on serving customers. Well, it would have its moments. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. And I do remember being out parking somewhere and having to jump back into the front seat again. So Jeannie's <laughs> not alone. <laughs> that was an awful long time ago now. Oh, God. Talking about in cars, um, I'm going to a doggy drive-in soon. Again, and some, some friends of mine are going. So that'll be, oh, that'll be fun. I do remember what used to happen at drive-ins as well. Oh, I know. No one went to see the movie, did they? <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you get there, you'd get your food and everything and hop in the back seat. And um, that was it for the night. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was truly, I, I was so upset when drive-ins all closed. I mean, there, there's a few around, but not very many. They're just not the same anymore. No. I keep talking partner that we should go, but she's not that keen on the idea anymore. Oh, really? Oh, God. No, it's fantastic. I think drive-ins are wonderful. Mm. Yeah. It's better than sitting in a cinema. You know, you can do what you like at the drive-in. You can eat and, you know, whatever. It it is embarrassing (laughs) when people ask you about the movie. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't like it very much. (laughs) I actually fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. There are so many more programs on Join I 4.9, producing a diverse range of content and podcasts. Even your favourite program from the past will have a podcast, so you can go back and listen to your favourite Joy moments. You can find the complete podcast from tonight's show on the Joy website at joy.org.au. You've been listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. See joy.org.au and click on our podcast link to subscribe to your favourite podcasts free. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.